Well, this morning we're going to start a new series about using our tongues to speak life. Because the Bible tells us we can choose to speak life or death with our tongues. And these days with our cell phones, we can do that with our thumbs, okay? We can say all kinds of things that shouldn't be said. Or we can choose to use our tongues to build people up. That's what I'm talking about today is how we can build people up with our tongues and speak life. So there's an outline inside your bulletin uh, you can follow along. I remember when our kids were small, between the ages of birth and six years old, and I'd come home sometimes and my wife would have been changing diapers or wiping noses or taking care of skin knees all day, and she'd meet me at the door just frazzled, and I'd say those three words that changed the entire environment of the house. What's for dinner? And uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> talk about speaking death right there. That was it. Uh, but it would have changed everything. It did change things when I came and said, hey, how can I help? And that's the power of the tongue. We can see somebody worn out, and we can make the burden heavier, or we can see somebody worn out and make the burden lighter. It's point one on your outline. We can choose to speak life or death. Every time I pick up the phone and write a text, every time I pick up the phone and press call, I have a choice with the words I make. Tomorrow morning, going to my workplace. We didn't get enough done last week. Let's quit dragging around here. Or we've got a new week in front of us. Let's make the most of it. The whole week, the tenor of the office for the whole week or a classroom can all change in one sentence. The idea for this series comes from Proverbs 18.21. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Man, Solomon knew what he was talking about. Here's that same verse in the message translation. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Wow. You know, we live in a day now where all of a sudden suicides are climbing. Depression is at all-time highs. I think this has a lot to do with it. Because as cruel as we can be with our verbal speech, we can be even more cruel when we hide behind the phone. People say all kinds of things on social media. And it's not about, hey, is this going to encourage someone? Is this going to be helpful? I just want the best zinger. And we can comment on things we don't have any clue about and express all kinds of outrage about something that turned out to not even be true. And I wish I could tell you it's just limited to kids. This goes on at the highest levels of our national government right now. So what are we going to do about it? Well, God called us to be salt and light in a dark world that's lost its way. For us, this whole series is to remind us we get a chance to speak life, and with the Lord's help, we will. Listen to what James had to say about this. With our tongues, we bless God our Father, and with the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings coming out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. If you understand where I've been, what I've been talking about and you realize, hey, <clears throat> we need to make a difference. We don't need to copy bad behavior. We need to speak life. Then let's ask the Lord to show us how to do that. Would you pray with me? Lord, today we're going to look at your word. It guides us in all matters of faith and practice, including how we use our tongues. God, we live in a world where cheap shots seem to be the order of the day. And if I can say the most caustic, sarcastic thing, and I can say it first, 
that I win. But Father, the damage is all around us. And God, I don't want to use my tongue to tear people down. I want to use my tongue to build people up. If that is a true desire of your heart, would you ask God to help you with that today, to show you something you need to learn today? And Father, I pray that you will use my mouth, the words of my mouth, to encourage everybody here to build us up so we can go and build up others when we leave this place. Move me out of the way, Lord. Speak to us whatever we need to hear. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Point two, we speak life when we build others up. I mean, it gives them life. Life can be hard, but to have a friend who encourages you, what's that worth? A lot. In fact, that's point A. I'm going to give you three ways we can build others up with our tongues and speak life. We build others up by speaking words of encouragement. Encouragement. You know, when I encourage somebody, the word encourage literally means to give courage. Somebody's afraid about studying, getting into grad school. You can do it. I haven't been in school for years. You can do it. It'll come back to you. It'll be good for you. You're more mature now. You can handle this. And think of that as the opposite of discouragement. Discouragement means to suck the life out of somebody's dreams. Hugh, what do you think you're doing? You'll never pass that. Why even try? Words can speak life or death. You choose. Paul said, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, so encourage each other, build each other up, just as you're already doing. Paul knew the Christian life can be hard. It can be hard to work through problems in a marriage. That's why we need encouragement. It can be hard to be a parent. That's why we need encouragement. It can be hard sometimes just to keep the faith in a world that seems to pile on. Hebrews 10, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of Jesus' return is drawing near. The writer of Hebrews says, hey, that's the reason you get together, to encourage each other, to give courage. I mean, you don't have to worry about people giving discouragement Discouragement comes for free every time you turn around. But as Christian brothers and sisters, we need to think of ways to spur one another on. That's why we want you all in a small group, a connect group, to build relationships where you can share problems and things. And it's always amazing to me, people who've never been in a connect group before and they try one, they go, I just found out I'm normal. And then I go, well, let's not get carried away. No, uh, but... <laughs> but I find out I'm normal. There's other people, and they're dealing with the same things I'm dealing with. I thought I was the only one. And see, that's one of the devil's great secrets. He whispers in our ears and gives us all kinds of thoughts. You're a loser. You're terrible. If anybody else knew what you were struggling with, they would boot you out of that church. And the whole time, he's playing the same trick on every one of us. That's why we're told... No, we come together. We're sinners saved by grace. God's Holy Spirit is living in us, changing us, giving us his desires, giving us the power to become the people he wants us to be. He's going to do amazing things with us, and we can help each other. Man. That's why we need to encourage each other. 
Yeah, Paul wrote those words in 1 Thessalonians 5 there, encourage each other and build each other up. But did he really do that? Yeah, he did. There's a story in Acts 27, this amazing story where Paul is on board a prison ship. He's literally being transported in chains to go stand before Caesar in Rome. And as they're sailing in the Mediterranean, it's a wintertime, a nor'easter comes up. There's 275 other people on the boat with him. Most of them are prisoners. There are some Roman guards that have been assigned to keep track of them. And the storm comes off, comes up, blows them way off course, wildly off course. The storm rages for more than two weeks. And everybody thinks they're going to die at sea. I mean, it's just been storm after storm. The sun hasn't come out or the stars for two weeks. So they, they can't, that's how they navigated was by the stars. They couldn't tell, even tell where they were. They just knew they were going to crash eventually. But God sent an angel to the apostle Paul and told him, Paul, don't be afraid. You'll stand trial before Caesar. I want you to. And the angel said, and God has graciously guaranteed the lives of all the people traveling with you. Just tell them to stay with the ship. And so Paul shared that with the rest of the crew. In fact, the night before they ran aground, they knew they were getting close to land because they were taking soundings and the water was getting more and more shallow and it was just inevitable. In a few hours, they would crash somewhere. So here's what happened. Acts 27, just as the day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried you haven't touched food for two weeks. And probably anything they did eat probably came right back up because of seasickness. He said, so please eat something now for your own good. Not a hair of your heads will perish and then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. And would you read that, um, that, this last sentence here with me, please? Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. The shipwreck was still coming. They were still at sea. The storm was still raging. And yet, because Paul was giving them hope in the Lord, they were encouraged. By the way, everything the angel had said came true. The people stayed with the ship. When the ship broke up, those who could swim swam. The others hung to pieces of debris, and every single person made it safely on shore. There's a life application for you and me. This week, I'm going to speak life by writing a note of encouragement to someone. And if you can think of a person who needs encouragement, write their name in right now. Write their name in right now. This is an assignment for you that God has specifically for you. I can't do it. You can. Write their name in there. You're going to write a note of encouragement this week. What would it look like? Well, here's a note of encouragement I got this week from somebody that I haven't talked to since 2005. Hey, it's been a long time. His name's Glenn. Glenn wrote me, it's been a long time, but you baptized my wife and me, and we dedicated our baby daughter in 2005. And after that, the Air Force moved us to Richmond, Virginia. Anyway... I've been reminded how God lays it in our hearts to reach out to people at different times and not to hesitate to do so. Unfortunately, I usually have trouble obeying that because I remember things in the car or some other busy time, but those are lame excuses. You've crossed my mind many times over the years. I just want to touch base, say hello, see how you're doing. He told me about their family. And he, said, he told me about the church they're involved there in Richmond. He said, we love it here and continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus, but we, but we miss our time in Alabama. And he said... I'd never been involved in church before, uh, the, before they got involved where I was teaching. And he said, I've never experienced it quite that way before, and it rocked me. Every week I felt like you were talking just to me, and it made all the relevant, it made 
and it made it all so relevant in our day-to-day lives. So I just wanted to say thank you for the part you played in our spiritual development. I'm so glad that God put you in our lives. I mean, that means the world to me. I haven't talked to him since 2005. He had no idea what my message would be about today. But it's just this example. It's like, I want to tell you about our kids, and I want to tell you thank you for being involved in the spiritual development of my family. You and I could do something similar. Instead of writing a discouraging note, we can say, hey, I don't know if I've ever told you this. But that time you helped me when we moved, that time you came to see me in the hospital, that time you brought us lunch, that was a game changer. Maybe somebody helped you grow spiritually. Write their name in, and this week, write them a note of encouragement. This guy was saying, you know, you've crossed my mind many times. It's just time I'm obedient. And I said, man, you have perfect timing. I know God wants us to do this. We can speak life through encouragement. We can build others up. Secondly, we can build others up by speaking words of wisdom or instruction. Wisdom. Instruction. Wise words are more valuable than much gold and many rubies. I mean, we all know what this is like. You don't know what to do. You're trying to move. You don't know how you're going to get it done. Then somebody comes up and gives you advice. You oh. Man, you're trying to solve a relationship problem, and you don't know a way forward. And then a friend sits down and goes, Hey, can I give you some advice? And it's perfect. Well, what if God would allow us to do that? That was Proverbs 20. I read you a little, 2015. I read it a second ago. Here's some more Proverbs from Proverbs 16. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. The wise are known for their understanding, and pleasant words are persuasive. Discretion is a life-giving fountain to those who possess it. But discipline is wasted on fools. From a wise mind comes wise speech, and the words of the wise are persuasive. I mean, think about all the things contained in those few verses. Persuasion, discretion, instruction, wisdom. I want that. So do you. I need that. And at times I am languishing because I don't know what to do, and then God brings somebody in my life, man, solid gold advice. We talked about how Paul had experienced encouragement. Well, here's how Moses experienced that kind of advice. This is from Exodus 18. God had called Moses to lead the whole nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt to the promised land in Palestine. And as they were starting this journey, a government hadn't been formed yet. But Moses was called to lead, and people recognized his leadership, so they brought all their problems to him. Every kind of civil dispute, every kind of relational dispute, every kind of monetary dispute. I mean, my goodness. And they would literally stand in line all day long asking Moses to hear each and every case. Well, his father-in-law, Jethro, came to visit He'd heard about the great things God was doing in the life of his son-in-law, and here's the advice he gave him. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me. 
Let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their, dis bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives, but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes and appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should, they should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They'll help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. Now, if you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you'll be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. I mean, Jethro was just perfect. He saw Moses struggling, and he said, hey, can I give you some advice? There's a life application there. This week, I'll speak life by offering good advice to blank. If you think of someone now who's really struggling in some area, and you've seen it, but you're not sure if you need to say something, would you write that name in and be praying about this, that God will give you an opportunity? I mean, Jethro handled it all the right way. Hey, this is my advice, and if you choose to accept it. Not, hey, moron. Okay? Don't ever start advice giving with the word moron. Okay? That won't work. What we need to say is we need to say, hey, I see that you're struggling with this. Can I give you a piece of advice? And if they go, no thanks, well, then you try it. But there's another life application right here. This week, I will accept advice. If you've been struggling with something, and then all of a sudden somebody comes in and says, hey, I noticed you've been struggling with this. Can I give you some advice? And you go, who do they think they are? Well, they think they're being God's servant to build you up. That's who they think they are. That person might look suspiciously like your parents or your wife or your brother or your best friend or the next door neighbor. And why all of a sudden would they come and talk to me about this? Because I'm praying for help and God is sending them to build me up, to speak words of life because I'm struggling. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You and I are foolish to not accept it when it's well-meant, well-intentioned, and sound advice. doesn't mean you accept all advice. Some advice is bad. But are we even open to this? And am I open to saying, God, I'm going to go approach that person and ask them because we go, oh, they'll never accept my advice. How do we know? And all I have to do is ask and say, hey, can I, can I help you with this? We could speak life to someone. I can speak life if I bring encouragement. I can speak life if I give sound advice. Thirdly, you and I can build others up by speaking words of comfort. Comfort. I mean, we go through times of grief. A family member dies. A relationship or a marriage comes to an end lose a job or we retire and it's something we've been doing for 30 years and now what do we do? It's grief. It's real. And people who can bring comfort in those times, man, that is building someone up. We can do this with our tongues. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 1. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. 
He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. I mean, sometimes just because we've been through something, we're able to give a word of comfort that we wouldn't have been able to give to somebody 10 years ago. Paul spoke this way about Philemon. He said, Philemon, your love has given me much joy and comfort. My brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. If you'd circle the word refreshed, that's what happens when we get comfort at just the right time. It's like a glass of cold water on a hot day. It's like, oh, that helped me. But John, I don't know what I'd say. Well, let me give you a couple of verses out of the book of Job that should really encourage us about bringing comfort, even if we don't know what to say. In the book of Job, Job lost all his kids, lost all his possessions, lost his health. He was covered from head to, ho- head to toe with boils. And all this happened because the devil wanted to strike him. He was a righteous man, and the devil wanted to test him. He was convinced if Job lost those things that he would curse God, but Job never did. He remained faithful. That didn't mean he didn't experience grief. He experienced all of it. And three of his friends saw this, and they came to visit him, and here's what happened in Job 2. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy that he had suffered, they got together and they traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. And when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. And then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job. They saw his suffering was too great for words. In seminary, they called that, in pastoral counseling class I took, they called that the ministry of presence. Just being there. You didn't have to come up with anything witty to say. They didn't say anything. In fact, if you read the book of Job, they'd have been wise to stop there. It's when they started speaking, they got in trouble. I remember a few years ago, um, a family asked for my help in um, delivering a funeral message and a graveside service for the patriarch of the family. He was deeply loved, a devout Christian man. And the oldest son in the family came up to me after the funeral and the graveside and all was over. We walked to our cars and he came over to my car and he said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And I went, sure. He goes, I'm afraid I'm some kind of a monster. I said, why do you say that? He goes, well, we went through this funeral and we paid tribute to my dad and then went to the graveside and offered prayers, but I haven't cried once. What's wrong with me? I loved my dad. How come I don't cry? And I go, Oh, well, grief doesn't work the same for everybody else. I mean, he pointed out that some of his siblings had been crying, and he hadn't yet. I go, everybody grieves in their own time. Your time will come. Just call me when you need to talk to somebody. I gave him my card with my cell number on it. I guess it was about a week later, I got a call at lunchtime, and there's somebody really broken up. They were so broken up, for a while, I didn't even know who was on the other end of the phone. And then I realized, it's this guy. And he was calling me from a sonic in Montgomery. And so I drove over there and I got in the car with him and I said, tell me what's going on. And he said, well, when I was a kid, every time my dad would we'd come home from a little league game, he'd take me to a drive-in. We'd always get a hamburger, a cheeseburger, and a cherry limeade. 
And so I travel a lot in my business. And so I pulled in at the Sonic and I ordered a cheeseburger and a cherry limeade. And they brought it here. All these memories came flooding back. And I've just been sitting there bawling my eyes out for 30 minutes. And you said you'd talk to me. And I said, oh, I will. And I ordered a cheeseburger and a cherry limeade. Yeah, we got to get us even here. <laughs> and uh, I only asked a couple of questions. Man, he talked for another hour and told me wonderful story after wonderful story after wonderful story about his dad. And he cried his eyes out, and it all came out. I think we used a whole box of Sonic napkins. He said, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you coming out here today. I probably said two sentences, like, tell me about your dad. How you doing? You don't have to go to seminary to do that. There was no sonic drive-in class at seminary. You know what he needed? He needed a friend who could speak life to him by speaking words of comfort. I'm here. Talk to me. I'll help. Those are words of comfort that are priceless if they come at the right time. Godly wisdom is the same way. It's priceless when it's needed. Encouragement is priceless when I feel I can't go on and I get an email or a handwritten note from a friend that says, keep going. And if God has called you to do this, don't delay. You could speak life to someone today. I mean, this has just been a marvelous week, or the last 10 days have been. And so I got this email. I also got, we got this incredibly encouraging uh, video message. We had talked to some of the people who are working in a ministry in Moldova, uh, a young couple there, Brian and Catherine Jones, and they work with a group home for kids who age out of the orphanage system there at 16, and they provide a place for them to live for the next four or five years to continue their education so they can get a job. Because if they go out on the streets, these young, beautiful girls, um, they'll all be sold into the sex trade, human trafficking, almost all of them. And so there's a ministry that we sponsor here at the church and called Stella's Voice, and they've gone to work with Stella's Voice. Well, they've been there for five years, and this year... Two ladies from our church, whom you'll meet in a minute, went to visit them at Christmas and to speak life to them. Carol Hall and Tracy Phillips. Well, Brian and Catherine uh, sent us a video message of how much that visit meant to them. I want you to see it. Hey, Center Point. We're Brian and Catherine Jones, Team Jones in Moldova, working here on the ground with Stella's Voice. We are responsible for 30 teenage girls, so our life is pretty wild and hectic. For the last five years we've been praying specifically that God would some, send someone here to visit with us, someone from home for us. Um, we've had teams and groups and all of that and that's great, but we have wanted, the desire of our heart has been for someone from home to come visit us. We were so excited when we found out that Carol Hall and Tracy Phillips were coming to visit with us for Christmas. Uh, Carol and Tracy have been involved with Christmas in Moldova for many years. They coordinate the gifts for our guys and girls for Christmas and Thank you all so much for being involved with making many of those gifts so special for our guys and girls. 
And to have them here at Christmas is such an amazing blessing for us because we've been here for five Christmases in a row. And now Christmas in Stella's house is amazing. We celebrate so many times and it's so much fun and it's really great, but that means that's five years that we miss with our families and friends in America. And so it was such an amazing blessing that God sent to us friends who are like family to come to us this year. Mm -hmm. While Carol and Tracy were here, they did so many amazing things. They cooked, they cleaned, they decorated, they poured homemade apple juice for so many people, and they just poured out love everywhere, and they just encouraged everyone. Our girls, our staff, Brian and I, everyone felt blessed by their presence. And we just want to thank Center Point for being the kind of church that not just encourages, but sends your members yeah. to be an encouragement to missionaries in the field. They just came here and encouraged us and loved on us and, and the people around us in our organization. And they just really re-energized us for the months oh, to come. Yeah. We're just so thankful. We can't say thank you enough. Thank you, guys. Thank you all so much. So, these, yeah, you can applaud that. So these are the two ladies who went. I want you to meet Carol and Tracy. And um, so, Carol, this was something that you had planned years ago, right? Right. Um, I had wanted to visit Brian and Catherine in Moldova for several years, and it just had not uh, happened. And so this year I just felt God calling me to go, and it was not until late November that I um, realized that this was the year I needed to go. Yeah, but when you did that, you were kind of afraid of going by yourself, right? I was. I hadn't traveled abroad in a long time, and especially not to Eastern Europe. So I was um, really hoping that and praying that somebody would go with me. And um, so I told God, I said, I'm willing to go, but I really feel like I need somebody to go with me. And so I prayed about it, and, and um, Tracy's name popped into my head. And, of course, we've worked together doing Christmas for Stella's Voice for several years, so she would be the logical person to go, but I just was a little intimidated about asking her, but um, I did. Yeah, and so Tracy, when she gave that, put that idea in your head, how'd that all go down? Well, um, the same day that Carol was in church praying about who can go with me, and she said, my name just kept coming to her that Tracy needs to go with me. Well, while she was in the church service praying that, I was standing out front at the information table talking about um, mission trips with some of the girls I'd been to Peru with. And they said, oh, you're going to Peru again? I said, I don't know. I need to pray about it. And so Lisa Schumpert said, well, Carol Hall needs to go to Moldova, and somebody needs to go with her. I said, oh, I've, I would love to go. I've always wanted to go. She said, well, then you need to go. Go with her. I said, okay, I'll pray about it. Well... After church, Carol called me, not knowing about the conversation with Salisa. She called me and said, let's go to lunch. And she said, okay, hear me out. Don't think I'm crazy. Just, I want you to think about this. Just, you don't have to make a decision right now. But I want to go to Moldova, and I want you to go with me. I said, okay, well, I'll pray about it. <laughs> and I got home after that afternoon, and I called my daughter, and I said, Miss Carol's going to Moldova, and she wants me to go with her, and Miss Salisa wants me to go, and I'm going to pray about it. And she said, Mom, you pray about it, but it's already been answered. She said, Miss Carol has prayed about it, and God answered her. And Miss Salisa prayed about it, and he answered her. You know, Miss Salisa is really tight with God, and if he told her, <laughs> you need to go get your plane ticket. So yeah. the next morning, I called Carol. I said, let's go. We're going to Moldova. 
Okay, so Carol, back to you again on this. So you guys show up in Moldova. What happens? Well, we showed up in Moldova, and as soon as we got there, we were involved in helping get ready for their Christmas that they celebrate in January. And Catherine and Brian go 24-7, and so we did too, and we helped with every phase of uh, getting ready for Christmas and meeting the girls and spending time with the girls so we could get to know as many of them as possible in a short period of time. Yeah, and this morning we talked about how we can build others up by just giving counsel and encouragement and, and giving good advice and uh, meeting with people. Um, did you guys do any of that while you were there? Absolutely. We spent time with the girls, talking with them and hearing their stories. And we loved on Brian and Catherine and um, did special things for them. We brought a suitcase full of Christmas things for them. And um, we just tried to be in as many places as possible during that time with, with all of their family. Yeah, and so, Tracy, on this, did uh, do you speak, do they speak Romanian there? They, I mean, speak, Romanian? they speak Romanian and they speak Russian. Unfortunately, Carol and I don't speak either one. Um, but as John was saying in the sermon is sometimes we don't have to speak anything. My gift is I bake cookies. Um, <laughs> the universal language. Yeah. And so one girl that's, that spoke no English and with me speaking no Romanian, we rolled out and cut dozens and dozens of cookies, and it was the best fellowship with that girl, and not a word was spoken between us. Yeah, and Carol, tell me, you shared at the earlier service, there was a girl when she received a Christmas present. She'd never gotten Christmas presents before, right? She had never received a Christmas gift. Uh, she grew up in an orphanage, and when she came to Sell's Voice, some of the other girls told her that when Christmas came around that she would receive a box of Christmas gifts from people in America, and she didn't understand because she'd never received anything like that before. And she had also been told about Jesus through Brian and Catherine and their time with her. And when um, Christmas came around and she received these gifts from people from our church, from Centerpoint, she said it helped her understand how much more her Father in Heaven must love her if people from America so far away would love her enough to send Christmas gifts for her. So... When you guys were there, Brian and Catherine are sold out to helping these girls. You guys went to encourage them. Absolutely. What did you get out of it? Well, we just received so many blessings. Of course, we were there to serve them. And really out of obedience to what God wanted us to do, because that's what we felt called to do. Um, but we have... 30 new friends now that are under the age of 21, and um, we were truly blessed by being able to be there. Tracy, encourage people that God can even take a an Alabama girl to a place that's cold as heck in the middle of winter to do his work, right? That's, that is true. Um, we, we had some fears going over. Carol was a little afraid of having a layover in Turkey, what, we were gonna, what was going to happen to us in the Istanbul airport. But my biggest fear is I'm extremely cold-natured, and I had snow above my knees there. And um, I said, you know, Lord, this is what you want me to do. This is where I will go. And I stayed warm and comfortable, and we weren't abducted the entire trip. So I would say, <laughs> you know, step out. Step out of your comfort zone, and uh, God will take care of you. <laughs> yeah. What an answer to prayer. Okay, hey. Um, anyway. Guys, I know there's a little more in my outline, but I wanted to use the balance of the message time just so you could hear from it. When I, 
When, I, when we received that video message from Brian Catherine, I asked Carol if she'd come up and say something, and uh, Tracy would come up. When we started talking, I went, okay, well, this is more, more important than any way I was going to wrap up this message because I just want to, if I could just say anything, these two are living proof of the fact if God's putting on your heart to go be an encouragement, if God's putting it on your heart to give advice or to give comfort to someone, do it. You don't have to be fluent. You don't have to be seminary trained. Just use the gifts you have and the time you have and the love you have to be the blessing you can be. We can speak life. I'm going to pray for these two right here. I want everybody else to stand, though, because I'm going to ask God to put his hands on all of us that we can speak life and just be obedient like they were. Will you pray with me? Oh, God, I just want to wrap up this message today. I want us to speak life, not death. There is so much sarcasm. There's so much hatred. There's so much vile content on social media and everywhere we turn, put-downs of the order of the day. But, God, how great is it to hear the story of two women who just said, I know God wants us to go and encourage these people. We've been giving them gifts. Let's go there ourselves. And you worked it all out. And you brought great joy through them. God, speak life through me. If that is the desire of your heart and you've been encouraged today yourself, say, God, use me like you used these two ladies. If you mean it, pray it. Say, God, help me. I want to speak life. God, we thank you that you hear our prayers. We know we're praying in accordance with your will, and we're praying these things in the strong name of Jesus, the Jesus that is being proclaimed here and in Moldova and all over the world. Speak life through us this week. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Can we give these two one more round of applause, please?